Hey friends, this is Sarah. And this is Ashley. And this is Hometown Homicide. Just want to say happy holidays and Merry Christmas. We are now five days away. Um, for any of those people who like to wait last minute. Um, Shame on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to be that person. Not anymore. I only have a couple presents left to wrap. And then I'm good to go. If you are in the Midwest and experienced the weird weather we've been having... It was December 15th, and it was 73 degrees out. Yeah, it was wicked. It was warm. Warm. It was so humid. It was disgusting. And then the storms came, so for those who were affected by the storms, I know some friends in Nebraska, um, central Iowa, they got hit pretty hard. Um, it totally reminded me of the derecho we had, August of 2020. I don't think the winds were that bad once it got to us, but I was still really nervous. A lot of people had some like flashbacks about it, like leading up to it and all the warnings and then the sirens went off and stuff here. Which I knew was going to happen. Right. I was watching the news, but what happened in Kentucky the week before, it yeah. just really made me more nervous and prayers go out to all of you in Kentucky. Um, yeah. It's just devastating. But we are not here to talk about the weather. It's not a weather podcast. This is a true crime podcast. So who <laughs> is ready for some true crime? Hello. Ta -da -da. <laughs> Today we are going to be talking about missing person Jody Sue who's in true. She was born to the parents of Maurice and Imogene aka Jane. Hughes and True, on June 5th, 1968, in Long Prairie, Minnesota, where she also grew up. She did have two older sisters, Joanne and Jill. While she was in high school, she excelled at golf, um, and her high school um, golf team won state twice. Oh, fun. In 1985 and 1986. Fun. All right. When I was being born in 1985. I was just thinking <laughs> I was one and two. So that's awesome. I mean, I was on the golf team. Never went to a tournament or like, I don't know if this is like considered their state tournament. I mean, we played tournaments, just not anything that we won something. So obviously not as good. So after high school, she attended St. Cloud State University where she studied mass communications and speech communications. And then she graduated from there with her bachelor's degree in 1990. <clears throat> after graduating... Her first job was with Northwest Airlines. That was before she began her broadcasting career with CBS affiliate KGAN in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. KGAN News Channel 2. News Channel 2. Um, she was uh, the station's Iowa City Bureau Chief. After that, she returned back to Minnesota for a job at ABC affiliate KSAX in Alexandria. After that, she did return back to Iowa for her last position at CBS affiliate KIMT in Mason City, where she worked as a morning 
and noon anchor producer. Now, I could not find anywhere what dates, like what years, like she went from each, you know, Cedar Rapids to Alexandria and then to Mason City. But being in Mason City, this is where the disappearing, dis ugh, disappearance? <laughs> where it all kind of happens. <laughs> so around 4.30 a.m. on Tuesday, June 27th, 1995, Jody was abducted from the parking lot of her apartment on Kentucky Avenue in Mason City, Iowa. A former, or one of her producers at KIMT, Amy Coons, noticed Jody didn't show up to work at 4 a.m. Now, Jody would normally arrive between 3 and 4 a.m. so she could get ready for her morning show, The Daybreak. So she decided, since Jody didn't show up, she was going to call Jody at her apartment. Jody answered the phone. Right. Like she was there. Um, told Amy she overslept and she would be at the station shortly. Well, by 6 a.m., Jody still didn't show up to work. And her show's about to start. So Amy filled in um, for her on the morning show. And then after another hour, still no sign. That's when Amy became concerned. Didn't know where Jody was, so she called the Mason City Police to do a welfare check on her. So they police arrived um, at her apartment, where they found her red Mazda Miata. It was still in the parking lot, but also in the parking lot was Jody's personal belongings scattered all over. So her purse, hairspray, hair dryer, and a pair of red high-heeled shoes. Now I also read that she would all have those shoes in a tote bag uh, where she also had notebooks and computer discs and it's like picturing computer discs because I haven't seen those in a while yeah yeah I was trying to think like what year did we stop using that and I know in the two early 2000s like it was cd-roms then yeah at that point there was no discs anymore so, I mean, if you are probably born after the year 2000, probably even after 1998, you don't know what a... <laughs> yeah, what, five and a half or three and a quarter inch discs? Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't have a clue. Would not have a clue. And then also found uh, her car key was bent inside the lock of the driver's side door. And they also recovered an unidentified palm print from her vehicle. Police said that there were visible drag marks on the rain-soaked pavement. It was also, so that tote bag that I mentioned that had the notebooks, computer discs, and normally her high-heeled shoes were in, uh, were not at the scene, and they were never found. Her disappearance prompted one of the largest manhunts in Iowa history. So this is when the investigation began. Police interviewed neighbors at Jody's apartment complex who said, yeah, they heard screams about the same time Jody would have been leaving for work. And one neighbor even reported seeing a white van in the parking lot with its lights on and engine running at the same time that they heard screams and that she would go to work. But the van was never positively identified. Also to note, the apartment was near a campground, so the neighbors just dismissed her screams as nothing more than noisy campers. On a at Tuesday? Like, um, at like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning? On a Tuesday. Yeah. 
going out on a Tuesday. On a Tuesday. No, yeah, that's totally normal. I'm screaming. So, yeah, they heard it. They completely dismissed it. So, nothing happened. I mean, couldn't identify the van. Nothing like that. So, in September, a few months later, in the same year, 1995, Jody's family hired private investigators from McCarthy and Associates Investigative Services, Inc. in Minneapolis, Minnesota, who then enlisted the assistance of Omaha, Nebraska private investigators Doug Jasa. Jasa? They appeared on several national television shows, including America's Most Wanted, Unsolved Mysteries, 2020, Nancy Grace. I love Nancy Grace. Um, even Psychic Detectives, and then all other numerous talk shows. Each show that they were on generated several leads, but unfortunately none resulted in any concrete evidence or even identification of a suspect. So yeah, they went on all those shows, um, and then... In May the following year, so 1996, about 100 volunteers searched an area in Cerro, Cerro Gordo? Is that how you say it? Is it C-E-R-R-O? Yeah. Yeah, Cerro Gordo. Okay. County and left flags to mark anything that appeared suspicious. These sites were then re-examined by law enforcement, but still no promising evidence. Even in the years following, police and investigators have conducted more than a thousand interviews, but again, none resulted in conclusive evidence pointing to a suspect in all of these years. Yeah, it's crazy. In May 2001, Jody was declared legally dead. In 2005, it was the 10th, like getting close to the 10th anniversary, 2020, and many other media outlets focused on the story again. You know, t 10 years, bring it back up. In 2008, now this one's weird. Okay, so 2008, a copy of Jody's personal journal was mailed to a Mason City Globe Gazette reporter. It was received in a large envelope with no return address and a June 4th postmark from Waterloo. The original journal had been in possession with law enforcement since the investigation began. Okay, the yeah. next day, mm -hmm. I, I believe it was the next day, the person came forward of who sent it in. It was the wife of a cop or something. Wife like of yeah. the Mason City Police Chief, and they still don't know why she did it. Like, there's no reason behind it. It's just like, it was the wife of a police chief. Yeah. With no explanation. And it didn't, like, lead to anything. The, I guess, Gazette did publish some of her journal entries, kind of like leading up like the weeks before she disappeared of her, what she was doing. She went to Iowa City a few times. They were on a boat with skiing. There was also entries of like group events. A few entries of Jody's journal were leaked in the Gazette because it was sent to the reporter and there were the entries were weeks leading up to her disappearance what she was doing who she was with is mainly like groups of friends that she was with they went uh, boating skiing stuff like that nothing like too interesting she did go to she did play golf in a tournament uh, the day before she disappeared 
and then we'll get into that night. But again, she was at home because she answered the phone. In 2013, Jody's sister Joanne told Fox News that she believed whoever took Jody either knew her personally or had stalked her because they knew her early morning schedule, but there's no indication of a stalker whatsoever. Now, here's where we're going to get into who she was with that night before. So there have been several persons of interest throughout the year, but one in particular remained on police radar, John Van Sice. He was a neighbor and a friend of Jody's. Now, he was 22 years older than Jody, but they would hang out, but in a group setting. She was at, after golf, she went over to John's apartment to watch a video that he had filmed of her birthday party that they had a week before, I believe. So he was the last person to see Jody alive. He immediately came forward to police about that. He told detectives that she came over to his apartment, as like I said, to watch that video, and but he denied any connection to the abduction, and he has since moved to Arizona. He is still today a person of interest. In the journal, like she had talked about John, but it was always a group. But um, in a podcast that I found called finding jody and you can go to findingjody.com it is a website that they are keeping up to date they had tried to reach out to john because no one he has not done an interview won't talk to anyone but he did talk and do an interview in 1995 a couple days after jody went missing to a current affair and this is what john had to say monday night she stopped by for a short time to watch a videotape that I had of her birthday party that uh, I and some friends put on for her. And we just had a good time, and she enjoyed watching the tape. And then she left and, and went on to, uh, went on to go home. Van Sy said he knew Jody for seven months, but was not romantically involved with her. Jody and I became very good friends, uh, nothing more, nothing less. We did things as a group with other people, and we just got to know each other a lot, and we liked each other, we had a lot of fun together, unlike a father-daughter situation. Van Sice talked about Jody in the past tense, fearing the worst. Jody was, was a beautiful person do anything for you. Very honest, uh, very outstanding, uh, very intelligent, very intelligent lady, a lot of common sense. Van Sice says he has no idea who would want to harm his friend, but she may have had reason to fear for her life. She told police last October that she was followed while jogging. She always had a concern about being stalked uh, because she is on TV every day and everybody can see her. She's young, she's, she's a very lovely lady, she's a very outgoing type person, and she had a great personality. On two separate occasions, investigators have interviewed Van Sice, but he was unable to give them any leads. The police were very congenial. I mean, they asked me a lot of questions and tell me exactly everything I knew, which I did. Only hours ago, John Van Sice made a personal plea to have Jody return safe and unharmed. Whatever you want, we will give you. We will give you money. We'll give you anything you want. Just let us know. Please, please bring her back. All right. So that was John giving an interview. Now, he would refer to Jody in past tense. I don't know if you've noticed that. Oh, yeah, you did. 
Also, the way he pleaded with whoever took Jody to bring her back, does that not remind you of someone? A recent case, the father in Colorado who killed Chris his... Watts. Chris Watts, that's what it is. Where he pleaded on the news for her, whoever took his family. Coincidence? Anyways, in March 2017, a search warrant was executed against John, seeking GPS data of two of his vehicles and provide finger and palm prints and DNA. Now, the warrant was sealed the same day, meaning no other information is public about the search that was ordered or what was discovered, and every year it's resealed. Now, the vehicles that were searched were... One was a 2013 and another one. So both vehicles were not even manufactured at the time of Jody's disappearance. So obviously nothing would really come from that. Yeah. But the fact that it is, it gets resealed every year. But yeah, John is still a very active person of interest. Um, and with, you know, as of even 2020, but... Now it's 2021. The Mason City Police Department and the Iowa Division of Criminal Investigations are still actively investigating Hughes and Trude's disappearance. If you have a tip or know anything regarding her disappearance, where she could be at, you can reach the Mason City Police Department at 641-421-3636. Or you can share information with the Iowa Department of Criminal Investigation DCI at 515-725-6010 or email at dciinfo at dps.state.ia.us. Again, that is dciinfo at dps.state.ia.us. That will be in the show notes for anyone. Findjody.com that I mentioned earlier is a website and a podcast. It is to keep Jody's case in the public spotlight so people don't forget about it. They actually put up a new billboard up in Mason City sometime this year. I'll post that on Instagram uh, of her billboard. The billboard says, don't sit in silence. The time to talk is now. Findjody.com forward slash tip. Another interesting piece of information that I had found is that Jody's disappearance was maybe linked to a somewhat newer solved case uh, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, of Michelle um, Martin. Yes, what she said. Don't know how they think that they could be linked. There is an article about it, but if you want to hear about Michelle's case let us know we can do that but again I just wanted to go back and say if you know anything have any information of what happened that Tuesday morning in 1995 please come forward they are looking for information but yeah that is what I have on Jody. and I know that her mom passed away at the age of 91, not knowing what happened to her daughter. She was young, promising future. 
snatched and disappeared. And I know that they wanted to do a Jody day yeah. in Mason City, and her sister just said, no, that's tacky. That's not what it's about. Just she did not like the idea, and you had said something about the news station and a tree. Yeah, they, after she went missing, um, and I'm not sure if, like, her favorite color was yellow or what, but everybody had, like, tied yellow ribbons around, like, trees and stuff. Um, but the news station planted a tree out front, and there's, like, a plaque, like, dedicating it to Jody. I feel like they might have planted it either the first year anniversary or something along those lines, and then there's a newer picture of it within the last couple of years. It's just that visual of seeing, you know, baby tree to, holy crap, that's like a sturdy ass tree now. And it, you know, that entirety yeah. of she's been gone and they keep a yellow or yellow ribbon around it. I had seen something, there was something posted about at the anniversary at the news station, but when I went to go read the article, it was gone. It said 404. So Rude. there was nothing there for me to get any information. But if you guys want to know more, like really dive in to what happened to Jody. Maybe more about that white van that was seen. Findingjody.com has that podcast. Uh, I also did find it on Apple Podcasts as well. But if you really want to get in there, you can also donate to their mission to help get any information about Jody. There's a lot. There's a lot on, on here. Yeah. I mean, there are pictures of, I mean, they have a podcast regarding the parking lot I guess they have been getting a lot of comments though about like people saying oh is this person who did it was this person so they apparently they did an update about removing comments from posts because without anything to back it up they can't have they want real information on their website but yeah I mean it, there's a lot on here I hope you enjoyed my telling of Jody who's in true and make sure to find us on all social media platforms Instagram TikTok and YouTube at hometown homicide podcast Twitter is Ope murder at Ope murder we want to interact with you guys we'll have interactions with our listeners and get some feedback and answer questions yes exactly what she said our Patreon will be getting some levels if you guys want to start supporting us. The plan is to get Patreon really rolling with some different levels. You could pay to uh, you pay to get the episode a day early. Try to do a bonus episode or two a month. Sarah also thought of once a month doing. A bonus episode called Hometown Homicide Happy Hour. The third Thirsty Thursday of the month. Yes, yes. Hometown Homicide Happy Hour, where we have maybe a special guest, a la one of our friends, and we have some drinks and talk about some true crime stuff. 
Yep. And that's where, you know, we need you guys to let us know, like, what you want to hear or if you have a story that maybe someone doesn't know about, we can bring it up during happy hour. Yeah. Even if it's bizarre news, because I do want to do some little, like, bizarre news stories. I have one that's my favorite, and I can't, I can't use it right away because <laughs> So let us know. And Patreon is also at Hometown Homicide Podcast. Correct. Which you can go on and listen to the audio uploads there. If you're on Instagram or TikTok, if you click on the the website link, which is Linktree, it will literally give you every single platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everything patreon that you can click on it'll take you right there again we want to tell stories to you not about you so stay safe and this has been hometown homicide <laughs>